Hey everybody, welcome to episode 181 of the Running Rogue Podcast. This is Chris coming to you from my house in Austin, Texas on a hot spring day. It feels like temperature outside is 100 degrees, so we have officially hit, I call it pre-summer here in Austin, where basically you get summer conditions in springtime. So that's where we are. It's getting warm out there. Hope everybody is staying healthy and safe. Today will be just me as I cover a topic that I've covered actually quite a bit recently via text or email exchanges with various athletes, and that is just to answer the fundamental question, how do you get out of a running funk? If you're struggling for whatever reason, maybe the body, the mind, the legs, whatever it may be, if you're struggling and you just can't seem to get out of that funk, what are some things to do, how to think about that. I'm going to take you through a little bit of a decision tree as a coach that I've established to help athletes think through this question. And whether you're a newer runner or a veteran runner, I can guarantee you, you know what I'm talking about. You might have had that funk. And so we're going to talk today about how to get out of it. Before we get there, though, I wanted to quickly remind you that we'll be starting Next week, today's the May, May the 4th as I record this, so may the 4th be with you. Uh, but next Monday, the 11th, is when our next three podcast training groups start. So we've got a base training program, we've got a full speed track, half track, full track program, our core podcast group starting for intermediate and advanced runners, and then we've got a woman's only half marathon group that's starting all three of those programs can be accessed via our email interest list for podcast training, which I think right now has over 100 of you on it. So I'll link that in the show notes. If you're interested in one of those programs, I'll be sending out sign-up links this week. So go to that email list and add your name so that you get those details and can go into those programs with us starting next Monday on May 11th. Excited about all three of those. Before we jump into getting out of a running funk, though, I did want to tell a funny anecdote story about me as a runner. I posted this on Instagram yesterday. For those who don't follow me, you can check my Instagram out at Rogue Chris. That's at Rogue Chris. And I had, I don't really real, I didn't really realize as I was going out the door, but once I got out the door, I realized that. Yesterday, in two decades of running, was my first ever run with headphones. I got some Apple AirPods using an Apple gift card that I'd gotten for a holiday gift. Decided that this would be a time to get them in case I wanted to listen to things or have conversations while out on the run in this time of quarantine. And so finally, and I got those a couple weeks ago, but finally went out and did my first run at the incur- with them at the encouragement of Kate Barrett, who's an athlete I coach, who's also been on the podcast. She had reached out and said, hey, let's do a phone chat on a run. And she'd done that with a couple of other of our community athletes. And so I'm like, sure. Hey, why not go for an easy Sunday run? chat with Kate. So put the AirPods in, went out the door for my first ever run with headphones in two decades. We chatted for about six of the eight miles I ran. And then in the last two, switched over to Apple Music and turned on music, which was the first time I've ever actually listened to music 
on a run, which is, and I'm not knocking it at all, but it's just not something I've ever done. Running for me has always been, as an introvert, has always been a time to either solo process and kind of get my own thoughts, or as I've run in this road community, perhaps to just catch up on the family and have converse or not the, the rogue family and have conversation. So I've just never been one to need or want music on a run for whatever reason. And so yesterday three first, it was first run with headphones, first run having a in phone or on the phone chat with somebody on the run. And also first time listening to music for some reason, I'm on a country kick right now. So somebody was asking me on Instagram what I was listening to, but it was just a Apple music today's country playlist that I got into. And I will say that I actually enjoyed it. It was, it was, it was nice. It was a nice change of pace and can't say I'm going to be eager to go out and do that every time, but I'll say, you know, I might work it in here and there. And I also have a Garmin music, or at least I think it's one of the, one of the Garmin's that actually where you can download music and listen to those on your Bluetooth. So you don't even need your phone if you have that watch. And so while I was using my phone yesterday, I have that option and may download some songs to the Garmin so that I could do that when desired. But yeah, it's an interesting whole new world for me totally crazy that that was it took 20 years to get that done and for those that might be interested in wireless headphones i do recommend the apple this was the apple airpods pro and my wife has been using the apple airpods the original version for a long time as a running headphone and that's worked well for her and i found that they worked well for me yesterday they stay in your ears they're super easy to connect to your devices so a plug for those, even though, you know, they aren't necessarily specific to working out, but yeah, that's my crazy confession of the quarantine. It got me out there for that first run in headphones, listening to music. How crazy is that? All right. Let's talk a little bit about running funks, running funks, because these happen. They happen to all of us. Sometimes they might last a few days. Sometimes they might last a few weeks. Sometimes they might last might last longer than that. And I will say that this conversation, this decision tree that we're going to talk through relates more to those running funks that are a little bit more lasting. If it's just a day or two, you know, we all have those ebbs and flows in our weekly training where some days you feel good, some days you don't feel so good. And that's not really what we're talking about today. You know, if you have a, a bad day or two, you know, keep plugging, maybe take a little extra care and sleep or recovery in the short term. And then if you get through that, then it doesn't require, you know, perhaps the same type of intervention that we're going to be talking about now. So this is more about those funks that last two weeks or more, where for whatever reason, you know, even after making adjustments within a given week or two, you can't seem to get out of it and you just aren't really sure why or what's going on or what's keeping you in this place of just not feeling good on your runs. And so that's what we'll be talking about today. And this can come in different forms. You know, it can come in the form of 
a lack of motivation. It could come in the form of just a general fatigue where maybe you are having trouble getting out the door, getting your runs done, feeling like you can even finish runs. It could also come in the form of not being able to hit your paces and just feeling like those faster paces are just that you could normally get to are just out of reach. Could come in the form of what I like to call dead legs, which would be, you know, that those kind of heavy legs that just don't seem to have that pop, that that extra gear when you call upon them to have it. And so, you know, those are some examples of what you might be feeling if you're in a running funk. And obviously, all of those things are going to manifest differently for each individual. But, you know, if those are the things you're feeling and you're feeling it for more than a couple weeks, then that's really what we're talking about today is how to work through that kind of running funk. And I don't necessarily have all the answers, but what I do have is a series of questions that I would ask you as a coach that I would encourage you to ask yourself to say, okay, let's go through this checklist, so to speak, of questions to figure out, you know, what might be the causes. And then we can talk a little bit about interventions along each one of these dimensions. The first question that I would ask when evaluating a running funk is number one, how have your, have your training conditions changed in some way recently that might be causing this funk? And so for example, and some of those training changes or condition changes might be related to things that are in your control. It could be related to a recent amp up in mileage or intensity. It could be related to potentially a step up in paces that you're using in your workouts. It could be related to amping up strength training and or adding some additional supplemental work to your training that you didn't have previously. So those are things, you know, changes you've made that may be affecting you. And I can tell you that all of those factors, if you're making adjustments there, increasing mileage, increasing intensity, adding workouts, maybe amping your paces, adding strength. All of those things are things that might put you in really what I would call more of a perceived running funk than a true running funk. If you're making those adjustments, it's going to take some time for your body to adapt to the new training loads. And while yes, you don't necessarily want to feel down all the time during those shifts, it's possible that you're going to feel a little bit of a funk, a little bit of a lingering fatigue until your body can adapt to those recent changes. Now, if you're in that place, there's really two options you have. One is to ride it out, keep grinding. You know, I would I would tell an athlete that that has just added strength training to their program that it takes anywhere from 4 to 6 weeks to adapt to having that strength program embedded in your training along with your running. And so you might feel a little bit of funk, a little bit of lingering fatigue for that period of four to six weeks until your body adapts and then it'll start to feel better and then perhaps the running side of the equation will rebound a little bit. And so at one level, there's that thing of just, hey, grind it out. Just keep grinding. Make sure you keep doing the work so that the body can adapt. Potentially, that's you. But if it starts to deepen, if that funk gets worse or you can't seem to to really get out of it or it's affecting not just 
the strength you're doing, but also the running you're doing, then it might be an indication that you've amped up too quickly and you need to make an adjustment back. This can happen oftentimes when somebody's amping up their mileage. You might hear people talk about the 10% rule when amping mileage, which is often people will say, don't increase your mileage by more than 10% a week as you build. So you might ask yourself, and, and while that rule I don't think is a hard and fast rule, it is a rule of thumb that can be useful in determining whether or not you've amped things up too quickly. If you look back and you see, hey, I actually jumped my mileage 20% a couple weeks ago, that could be an indication that you've amped things up too much and you need to slow your ramp up. And and that could come in the form of adjusting the mileage ramp. It could, could come in the form of adjusting down some of the intensity of your workouts. It could come in the form of backing off the paces a little bit and maybe hitting a middle ground between those new target paces and the paces you used to run. It could mean a lot of different modifications to just amp down that ramp a little bit so that you can give your body a chance to actually catch up and deal with the new training load. So that's a category of stuff that to me is kind of good stuff to deal with. It's it's typical, it's expected. It's more or less things that we see a lot as coaches in terms of adjustments that need to happen as your body adapts to new load. And there you just have to play with it. Listen to your body, talk to your coach, make some adjustments, play with it within a given month over a few weeks to see if making little adjustments helps you better execute the training and feel better overall. And so essentially stay on the path that you're on of amping things up, but just reduce that ramp up a little bit. So that's kind of stuff that's all in your control, changes you've decided to make, but it's totally expected when you're adding new things to your training or amping up your training that you might feel like you're in a little bit of a funk. And then it's just a question of, okay, do I need to adjust that or do I need to write it out? So that's one category of have your training conditions changed. Another category of have your training conditions changed is are, are those things that are potentially out of your control? You know, are there external factors that might be affecting your training and perhaps you're keeping your training load the same, but you've got some new inputs from the outside that are either out of your control or that maybe you don't directly control. And so an example of that, one example would be weather. And right now as we hit springtime, and as I said, we're kind of in pre-summer here in Austin, Texas, it is a time where you have temperature changes that are affecting your training that are out of your control, but that will absolutely affect your ability to deliver in workouts. And it's important to recognize that. I've had several athletes in my group here in Austin reach out to me and say, hey, I just haven't been feeling it. My first question has been, is it the weather? And we'll talk a little bit later in the decision tree about how to adjust for that. But it is possible that you're in this funk because of the weather. It's possible that there are other factors that might be contributing that would be external stressors, things that 
might be affecting your ability to deliver in workouts. So one example of that in this time, now that we're in this weird kind of quarantine mode, is the stress around this pandemic. There's actually a good article from Alex Hutchinson recently about mental fatigue and how that can affect your ability to deliver in training and in races. And I think now is a time where a lot of us are facing mental fatigue because of a variety of factors associated with the uncertainty of the times. Not only are there a lot of changes in our routines and changes in our lives that are affecting and taking mental energy, but obviously there are also a lot of stressors that come with that. And everybody is facing different ones and might be facing those stressors in a different way. If that's hitting you hard, then it's an external variable out of your control that is potentially putting pressure and stress on your training that might put you into a funk. And so what you've got to do in those situations is recognize it, name it, call it out, own the fact that there's something out of your control affecting your training, and then make some adjustments in training to ease back, potentially give yourself some grace so that you can adapt to those external conditions or allow your body to adapt to those external conditions. It's not unlike the adaptation that happens when you're adding strength to your program. I usually see that it takes anywhere from three to six weeks for a runner to adapt to summer-like training conditions here in Austin because there are physiological changes that happen as a part of that adaptation process. Your blood volume increases Typically, your weight goes up a little bit as your body starts to retain and hold on to more water because it needs it because you're sweating more in these conditions. And so there's a physiological adaptation that begins to happen that can take really can happen as fast as two weeks for some people, but it might take as many as six weeks for you to adapt to that load and or adapt to that new stressor, that external heat and temperature change. And until you get through that, you might need to adjust back off a little bit in training, potentially adjust paces to account for the fact that it's warmer and or cut out some intensity potentially in your training. Same thing with other external stresses, like just like we were talking about with some of the the pandemic related stressors. That's providing these new stressors that are creating mental fatigue that's affecting your physical ability to deliver, in which case you may need to adjust your training loads so that your total body, your mind and body can work together to adjust to those new stress levels. So that's really the first question. Kind of summarizing again, have my training conditions changed either by my own decisions and control and ramping things up or potentially by new outside stressors, things that are out of my control that I might need to account for. If either of those two things are true, make those adjustments that I talked about. So that's really question one. Have my training conditions changed? Question two and then three gets to the two gets to the mental part of this. Three gets to the physical part of this. So the second question here is, do I need to make mental adjustments to deal with this? training funk and this could be a situation where you're potentially dealing with new stresses just like we just talked about which may require some mental as well as physical adjustments 
or there could be something that's motivation related. I think oftentimes when I see runners in a funk, that funk can manifest in struggling to want to get out the door, to normally being ready when that alarm goes off to go get your run done, to hitting snooze a little longer, maybe skipping runs here and there because you're just not that into it. Or for whatever reason, you're having to force it. And when you force it, that makes it worse because then you start to resent that tug to go get the work done. And so to me, a big part of the second question is, okay, what do I need to ask myself to work through that mental funk? Because by the, because by the way, there is a psychosomatic impact here. If you're in a mental funk, it's going to manifest in some way physically might also manifest mentally in a way that you can easily recognize by seeing that your motivation is lower, but it's also possible that it manifests physically in ways that just makes you feel down or slow or sluggish or heavy. And so you want to ask yourself, "Am am I in a mental funk? And if you're in a mental funk, again, that could be related to stress, could be related to motivation, could be related to struggling to know what your purpose is with running. But let's break each one of those down a little bit in turn, and I'll give you some thoughts and tips on how to work through them. Motivation, we'll start there. You know, that's a big a big one here. You know, you could be struggling with motivation. How do I deal in a situation where I'm struggling with motivation? And I think there's a few different ways to think about this. One or step one for me is always to go back to and reflect on why you're doing this in the first place. Go back to that fundamental question of purpose. What is it that draws me to running? What was I after? What do I want to achieve in this sport? What does it mean to me? Why do I do it? And ask yourself that question, hone in on the answer to that question, ask yourself potentially if that's still relevant for you. And if it is still relevant, then you need to go find ways to reconnect to that original passion and motivation for this sport. And it's impossible to give every example of what this might look like, but I know that, you know, for me, when I started out in running, It was about competition, competing with myself, eventually competing with others. It became my competitive outlet after a prior lifetime of competitive team sports. And so at times back then when I was first in my running journey, if I was in a mental funk, reconnecting with that competitive side of the sport was a way for me to get motivated again. And I remember there were times back then where I would take gaps in training. I might go three or four months sometimes not actually getting work done or, or training for anything. But, but I would always come back to and reconnect with that competitive fire, sign up for a race, sign up for something that had a competitive element, and then that would get me going again. That's one example. For me now, it's actually, I still like the competitive element, but it's probably more about connecting with people through the sport, even though that can be challenging in this very moment, 
if that's why you're doing it, if it's about connecting with people and using it as an outlet for community, then you've got to go seek ways to find that community. Obviously, that's more challenging right now in this time of home quarantine, but there's still ways to do it. The example of the the AirPods phone call on the run is one way, but there are also other ways because there's a variety of groups, including you know, we've got this Rogue Nation Facebook group where people can interact, find connection through the sport right now. And so if it's about community for you, then go back and reconnect to that part of the sport because that will help you find the sparks to build the fire again. But, you know, those are only two examples, competitive side, community side. For some people, it's about connecting with nature. For some people, it's about stress relief. They started because it was just an outlet to escape. And then maybe it became something else. Then maybe it became too competitive for you. Maybe you became too focused on an outcome and you lost sight of the fact that it was a stress outlet for you, that it was something that helped you clear your mind. And so maybe you need to reconnect with that part of the sport of just using it to purely clear your mind and not worry so much about the training element for a period of time. So to me, if motivation is your issue, that's step one is reconnect with that original purpose and then find ways to make sure that your running meets that original need, that original tug to the sport. And if you go back and look at it and you say, you know what, that's not what's exciting me anymore. Maybe my purpose has changed. Then spend some time reevaluating your purpose. Not that you have to find the new perfect answer, but think about what might be the thing that motivates you now and then go connect with that as an experiment just to see if it lights your fire. And then that, and in that way, you can test and determine whether that new purpose resonates. Now, that's step one, reconnect with your purpose. Step two, if that doesn't work, or maybe if you don't want to go that deep, another thing I like to do when motivation is struggling for anybody is ask them, you know, what would be fun? What sounds interesting right now? Let's mix it up. Let's seek some variety. How can you do something that's fun or different that will help get you out that door? And again, for everybody, it's going to look a little bit different. For me during this time, that has been my primary filter for training. I'm still doing miles, still doing workouts. But honestly, for me, it's not about specific workouts or making sure that my workouts perfectly match my long-term goals. It's more about what sounds fun and interesting right now because I'm doing them solo, getting it out there and getting it done. And so I tend to pick the, the workouts that are giving me some fun energy and fire. I've also done some fun courses, new courses on long runs to create some adventure for myself. Those are the things that have kept me motivated. But for you, it might be different. It could be something else. It could be, you know, we had some runners in our Cedar Park community this past weekend do a Strava long run drawing challenge of who could draw the coolest picture with their long run route and then they were voting on that as a team and so maybe that motivates you maybe it is about finding that perfect playlist right now could be about getting out there and chatting with somebody on the run maybe it is signing up for a virtual race because there are plenty of opportunities for that it could be about creating your own challenges of going to run. We have an athlete here in Austin who was furloughed from his job who's going to run all the big hills. 
in Austin as a part of that time away from his, his full-time job while he's furloughed. And that's giving him motivation. And while this could be a funk that is related to the pandemic or is not, either way, finding variety is a way to light that fire again. Could be about going to hit the trail sometimes. Again, finding new ways to bring excitement to you. And if you can just find a little spark, then oftentimes that will lead to a bigger spark. So that's one side of it, motivation. Another side that I want to talk about on the mental side is just that stress, that heaviness, that mental weight that can come with new stresses in your life and that might then manifest in a physical feeling of just feeling tired, heavy, fatigued. And so if that's the thing you're dealing with, I still encourage you to reevaluate the motivation side because sometimes reconnecting with your purpose helps light the fire that takes your mind off of those other stressors. But as it relates to the stressors itself, and we talked about this a little bit on the last podcast I did in my conversation with Jason on base training is this idea of doing a stress inventory and really taking a look, taking stock of the things that are weighing you down. Try to pick the top two or three things, name them, identify them, say them out loud, write them down on paper and then objectively look at each one and ask yourself, what can I do to deal with that stressor? doesn't have to be a perfect solution, but could just be about trying one or two things to help take your mind off of things. I know for me, one of the things that I was struggling with early in the quarantine, and I may have talked about this already, was just this kind of irrational anger. It was probably rational anger, but it was it was hard to control, so it kind of became irrational. And I was rationally irrationally angry at initially our politicians at all levels of government and just frustration over the fact that nobody seemed to be dealing with this pandemic appropriately or even speaking about it in ways that gave me comfort. And, you know, by the way, that still continues at some level. And, and then also I was angry at people that weren't following the rules and trying to do right by our society by staying at home and and practicing the rules of social distancing and so forth. Obviously, we still have people out there that are still violating those things. But early in the process, I was really just angry, carrying a lot of anger about it, which is affecting my ability to get out the door. But But I named it. I recognized it, I named it, and then started working through it. This was more of a mental exercise for me to get through it and really learning to really try to control the things I could control so that I could let go of the things I couldn't control. And by through that, by going through that mental process associated with that stress, I was able to let go of the irrational anger of, you know, affecting really those people that I can't control or I can't have any touch with and or, and then just focusing on the world I do control and 
you know, not only doing right by myself and my own actions, but also by the community that I can influence here. And so by focusing on those things, it enabled me to let go of some of that irrational anger, the stuff that wasn't productive, which helped me then, you know, take that stress down a notch and then therefore physically feel better. And so maybe that's what you need. Maybe you just need a simple stress inventory that will allow you then to step through each of those stressors and try to address them in turn to help bring down that mental fatigue so that you can regain some of the physical strength and prowess and and work through the physical fatigue you may be feeling. And so those are a couple of examples on the mental side. And third thing I'll talk about here that I've already referenced, but I just want to make sure I don't shortchange is this idea of sort of lacking purpose. Because I think particularly now in a world where we don't know what the future holds, it creates a lot of uncertainty that can truly really affect our ability to drive for that purpose. And especially when our purpose might be related to specific outcomes or when we've specifically tied our purpose to going to get a goal that might be associated with the race that you don't know is going to happen right now. And that's hard. Dealing with that uncertainty is hard. And I don't want to shortchange that fact. And I know that that uncertainty, that lack of having a goal out there, a race you know is going to happen, can spiral into affecting your motivation and can potentially create stressors that weigh you down. So I wanted to just cover that specifically. And I think here, at least for me, what I have to do in thinking about that uncertainty of the future and what's going to happen with races is I have to myself, I have to, again, focus on the things that I can control and really also laser focus on the things that I know. It's easy to get caught up in the unknowns, to ask yourself, what's going to happen with this race? How is this going to play out after that? If it gets postponed, how will it get postponed? What's going to happen with my entry? Will I get a refund? Will I not get a refund? I know a lot of people are asking about Boston. Boston. Boston doesn't happen. What happens to my BQ? Will I be able to go do the race next year? Does that mean that there's a lot of people who can't do the race because suddenly everybody's rolling over to 2021? There's all these questions that pop up around these races and it's easy, so easy to get lost in the uncertainty of those questions and finding, trying to speculate about and find those answers yourself. And I'm just here to tell you that at least for me, I have to say, stop. If I can't know the answer to something, it's not really worth speculating on it or at least lingering on that speculation. Sure, maybe you ask the question, maybe you create a hypothesis about what might happen. But holding on to that or allowing that to cloud your vision about what to do in the future isn't productive. So you really really got to push out the unknown, the things you can't know, you can't know, the questions you can't answer. You got to push those away and not linger on them because what happens when you linger on them is that you then get lost in the spiral of either indecision or maybe a lack of motivation or maybe struggling to get out the door and 
that's not productive or helpful for your long-term path as a runner where consistency is so key. We talked about this with Edwin Moses, really offline of my interview with him on the Clean Sport Collective podcast. And he was talking about the parallels between this year and the year in 1980 when the Olympics were boycotted by the U.S., And so he mentioned that before our interview was the the similarities because in that year, the U.S. boycotted the Olympics in Russia because Russia had invaded Afghanistan. And that decision wasn't finalized until May of 1980 before the Summer Olympics. And so you had all these athletes that were preparing, gearing up, trying to get ready for the Olympics in 1980. And then suddenly it was taken away from them that May, only months before They were slated to go. And he said in that conversation that, you know, those that would have success later were those that were able to stay consistent and stay focused through what really became a lost year for a lot of them. And in many ways, we're in a similar place. And I guarantee you, those that have long-term success through this time, whether races happen in the fall or not, are those that can just put out the uncertainty can push that away and just focus on what's right in front of you. And that's to keep doing consistent work. We're kicking off our fall training this Friday for those in our community here. And yeah, we don't know exactly what races will happen in the fall, but I can guarantee you doing work to prepare for them, whether they happen or not, is only going to make you better as an athlete long term. And if you can allow yourself to be there and really stay present, not worry about the future and all the questions that come with it and just focus on what you can do today to be a better athlete down the road, then I promise you, you'll be stronger for it. And in that way, don't worry, don't connect too much to outcomes right now. Your purpose really isn't to go run a race in the fall. Your purpose is bigger than that. It's about getting a bigger goal. It's about connecting to something much bigger. And so if you're reflecting on your purpose and you think that your purpose is to go run this race in October, think bigger, step back, ask yourself what running means beyond that, what what running means to you beyond a specific goal, and then connect to that bigger answer. And then do the work. Because no matter what, the work will be worth it and it will pay off. Consistency is king in this sport of ours. And the more consistent you can be, the better you will be down the road. So that's your second question. You know, is it a mental funk? So first question, have my conditions changed? Have they changed in ways that are in my control and ways that are out of my control? Second question, is the funk mental? Third question, is the funk physical? Is the funk physical? physical can I control the things that might be affecting me physically and so I've got a little bit of a checklist here you could probably add some things to this checklist but really you should think about this in more or less the order that I'm talking about in terms of prioritizing because it goes from bigger questions sorry sorry smaller questions to bigger questions at the end first question on the physical side is Do I need new shoes? Do I need new shoes? This may seem silly or obvious, 
but I can guarantee you every time I have dead legs and well, not every time, but oftentimes I get to a place where I have dead legs as someone who doesn't necessarily track the specific mileage on every single shoe I own. Whenever I walk away from runs with consistent dead legs, it's sometimes because I just need new shoes, just need a new pair of shoes. And, and that is the simplest question and answer you can get is maybe I just need new shoes. And typically on that, you want to, you want every shoe is a little bit different and, but you're not going to get typically more than three to 400 miles on shoes in today's world. But for some, honestly, it's less than that. I have one pair of shoes, which I absolutely love that I I can only get about 200 good miles in. And fortunately it's a cheaper option. So I'm still committed to running in that shoe. But once I hit, once I get over 200 miles, I can start to feel it in my legs just kind of a flat dead leg feeling that is hard to pinpoint isn't associated with any specific joint or muscle, but is affecting me. And so it may be about just getting new shoes and getting some fresh foam because by the way, foam breaks down whether you use it or not. And so if you've gotten a pair of shoes that may have been on your shelf for too long, there's foam is contained in these little air bubbles, these little tiny cells of air and those cells start to pop over time, whether or not you're in the shoes. And so it could also be a pair of shoes that you've had sitting in your closet for too long. You start to use them, but you don't get the same life out of them. So that's kind of fundamental question one. You know, do I need new shoes? Fundamental question two. And by the way, there's sort of a, I guess, a question zero, which is, is my mileage too high? And in many ways, that's important here, but I really am thinking that I already talked about it in that first question of, you know, have my conditions changed? That's really more of a fundamental ramp up question. And maybe, you know, you've ramped up too quickly. You've gotten to a point with your ramp up that the mileage is getting to you. And so really I'm thinking about that piece going there. But this next piece, which I also referenced before, I think is a little bit more specific to the physical side, which is are my, am I going slow enough on my easy runs? Are my paces right? Am I going slow enough on my easy runs? Fundamental question. And by the way, especially as the temperatures warm up, it might mean you need to go even slower so that your body isn't affected by the temperature increases. But am I going easy enough on my easy runs? I talked about this, I believe, on podcast 166 where I was talking about the common mistakes that people make in their training. One of them is going too fast on your easy runs. And so you want to see that typically on your easy runs, your easy long runs, you're going about a minute slower than your marathon pace, about 90 seconds slower than your half marathon pace. And then on recovery runs, it might even be slower than that. could be two minutes to three minutes slower than your marathon pace, depending on that reference point for you. And so just make sure you're looking in the mirror and you're being honest about whether or not you're following those quote unquote rules. Because if you go too fast on those easy days, it's going to put you in a funk if you just keep hammering. So that's a huge important question. And oftentimes we're not willing to be honest with ourselves about that because our ego can get in the way. So just make sure that, um, that's what you're doing, that you're going easy enough on those easy runs because what matters there is 
not only does that mean that you're training in the right aerobic zone to get the long-term benefit of the aerobic capacity building that comes with those easy runs, but also you're putting less stress on the neuromuscular system so that your body can recover so you don't get hurt so you can stay consistent. So that's your second question. Am I going easy enough on those easy runs? And again, especially now, as the temperatures warm up, you may need to back off a little bit on those easy runs in order to still be in the right effort zone. For example, for us during the summer in Austin, I'm usually typically at least another 30 seconds slower in the warm conditions per mile than I am in the winter months. Okay, next question goes to hydration. Am I hydrating well, particularly outside the run? And this is a time of year where this becomes even more relevant. And of course, key overarching scientific point here tells us that as long as we're drinking to thirst, hydrating to thirst, then we'll be okay. But personally, I find that here, especially in these warm conditions of Texas, that I need to plan my hydration, especially depending on how my day is flowing so that I can get the proper hydration in me when I am thirsty when I, and, and can have it available to me. And in addition to that, I want to make sure that I'm getting the electrolytes I need to replenish the salt I'm losing on these hot, sweaty, humid morning runs. I can tell you personally that I was in a little bit of a funk a couple weeks back as the conditions got warmer here in Texas. And I probably had a week of runs where my legs were just generally feeling pretty heavy, feeling pretty dead. And it dawned on me that I hadn't yet kind of instituted my personal summer hydration plan because the temperatures had heated up, but I just hadn't adapted yet. And so I started to go to that mode where I really focus on, of course, getting enough water throughout the day and making sure that my urine color is a very faint yellow, but also that I'm supplementing with electrolytes. Because for me, in these hot, humid Texas conditions, it's absolutely critical to keeping everything balanced, losing a ton of salt on these hot, sweaty, humid morning runs. And so for me, I need to go to, personally, I do twice daily electrolyte supplementation with an, an external product like a Noon or a Scratch or an Osmo. Sometimes I use just straight salt pills. But either way, and you can also just do electrolyte water. That's an option too. Either way, though, make sure that you're replenishing those electrolytes because if you don't replenish the electrolytes, then you can drink all the water in the world, but your body won't retain it in the way that you need to because electrolytes make this amazing little process called osmosis go, which is what allows the water to pass from your bloodstream into your cells so that they can be, so that water can be used for the ever important process of respiration, which makes your legs go. So make sure you're checking about you're checking your hydration with electrolytes. Next question, nutrition. Are you eating enough? Are you fueling your body in a way that will allow it to do what you're asking it to do? Of course, there's a food quality question here and obviously as we've talked about before in this podcast, I recommend eating lots of whole foods, mostly plants and really treating everything in your life in moderation whereas you know versus having a lot of processed food and if you're 
having too much processed food, that can put you into a funk. If you're not eating enough food, that can put you into a funk. So look at nutrition. If you're not timing your food in a way that's going to give you the fuel that you need, then that can put you in a funk. And so for some people that might look like not replenishing quickly enough after a long run and maybe having that linger. That could look like not getting a little bit of food in you before you go for your morning runs. Nutrition and that part of the equation is very, very individualized. So there's no way I can address the thousands of thousands of ways that that might be affecting you. But it, it's a question to ask yourself. Is my nutrition solid? Both my daily nutrition as well as my in-run nutrition. Am I doing the things I need to fuel my body so that it can do the work I'm asking it to do? And if you have recently changed your training conditions by increasing volume, changing intensity, maybe amping up your paces, it could potentially mean that you need to amp up your calorie intake as well in order to handle that increased load. So that's another question to ask. Then the next question, which we also talked about on the last podcast with Jason, episode 180, is the question of sleep. Are you getting enough sleep? Sleep is the number one recovery tool, period, full stop. That is the way for your body to rebuild itself. And if you aren't getting enough of it, it will affect you, period, the end. And there is both a sleep quality as well as sleep quantity part of this equation, which I've talked about before on the podcast. But you need to be able to look yourself in the mirror and say, am am I getting quality enough sleep or has that somehow been affected in a way or affected in in my world recently that might be causing an impact and an overflow into my workouts. I can tell you that on Thursday night last week, for whatever reason, I couldn't sleep. I just was wide awake. Went to try to go to bed at like 11 p.m., which is not that atypical for me as a night owl. Usually I'm in bed at 10, 30, 11 and out. Usually I fall asleep pretty quickly. But for whatever reason, on Thursday night, I couldn't sleep, was awake at 11, was awake at midnight, was awake at 1 a.m. Don't think I went to sleep until about 2.45 in the morning after finally kind of getting tired and woke up, had to wake up at my normal time because I had to get on with life, decided to go do a run anyway. But as you would expect, it didn't feel great. And the next few runs didn't feel great either. But I was gradually trying to catch up on my sleep, cut it, got some naps, extended my sleep on a few other days and was able to start to feel good again. But if you had a recent change in sleep quality or quantity, then it's going to affect you and you just need to be honest with yourself about that. And that doesn't mean you have to necessarily make massive wholesale changes or suddenly start getting eight hours of sleep a night, but it might mean spending a few days to focus on it, getting a little extra sleep maybe cutting back on your volume while you're doing that, maybe taking some naps, getting that opportunity for your body to heal itself through sleep. So if that's you, then take that opportunity. So that's the next question, sleep. Last question really in this physical list, and there's probably a few others you could add, but if if everything else is checking out, above and the answers to all those other questions is you know what I'm good in that area 
got new shoes, my paces are good, my hydration's solid, my nutrition's solid, my sleep's solid, and you're still feeling that funk, and that funk, again, has lasted more than a couple of weeks, it probably means that there's some underlying blood value issue that's affecting your performance. Could manifest also, again, in a lot of different ways, depending on the individual. Anemia is one of those examples that could affect your ability to perform but there's probably a fundamental blood value issue that's affecting you and causing this lingering fatigue if everything else checks out it's kind of like dr noah moose has said on here you know as oftentimes it's if you're having this lingering fatigue and you can't figure it out you try all these other things it's probably not just in your head it could be related to some fundamental underlying blood value issue in which case I would encourage you to go get that checked. Obviously, it's a little bit difficult to do that in this very moment, given the, the situation with our medical system, but that could be something that you could evaluate as soon as you are able. I would encourage you, if that is your potential challenge, that you would listen to episode 169 of this podcast, where I talked with Natalie Pichetti about blood values and performance. She gives some examples of how that could manifest in you, but that's that's a potential issue. There could be a fundamental blood value issue that's holding you back. And, and that's really the last resort. Again, if everything else checks out, if you've asked yourself, have my conditions changed and do I need to manage that or just fight through? Is it a mental funk? Is it a physical funk associated with my shoes, my paces, my hydration, my attrition, my sleep, if all of that stuff checks out and you're still feeling it, you're still feeling a funk, and by the way, you're being honest with yourself about answering all of these questions, then there probably is some underlying blood value issue, and I would encourage you to consult with somebody who knows how to look at that and look at that for athletes because the ranges that are relevant for us as athletes might be different from those as from those of the average population and you want to make sure you have somebody who can identify those subtle changes that might look normal, quote unquote normal within the normal range of blood values that, but that could be causing issues for you related to performance. And so get that checked out, get a blood test. And we talk about some of those details on episode 169 because there's probably something in those blood values that could be fundamentally holding you back and in that case it's not in your head so that's those are the things I ask that's the checklist I go through I also want to conclude by saying and mentioning that if you're going through that list and let's say you've identified something that seems to be off then obviously make the changes in that area but then also just be patient with yourself and then consistently go back to the checklist to evaluate in the case of 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 the hydration issues that i was having where i was kind of feeling dead legged it actually took me a couple of days to start to feel good again a couple of days of really focusing on hydration but sometimes it's going to take longer than that. It might take a couple of weeks of consistently making adjustments in that area, whether it be slowing down those easy runs, whether it be working on the mental motivation. It could take a couple of weeks to get over that funk, and that's okay. If it takes more than a couple of weeks, 
and you've made some adjustments as as I talked about in this checklist, then it probably means that there's something else going on and then you need to go back and reevaluate the checklist. So that's the process. It's It could be iterative, but you got to keep listening to your body and keep responding to how it's feeling and then reevaluate and continue to make adjustments until you figure things out. Because the truth is, if you're in a constant funk and you're not ever feeling great or, you know, or the, the legs are heavy all the time, then you're not going to be able to build. You're only going to tear yourself down, continue to tear yourself down. And if you do that, if you keep hitting your head against the wall, this wall of fatigue, then you can actually get to bigger, deeper issues. Things like overtraining syndrome, you can kind of develop a, a deeper, a more fundamental challenge of digging out of this hole that could take a while. And, you know, that's something that ultimately caused an athlete like Ryan Hall to retire because he couldn't get over the, get through this really sort of overtraining syndrome that he had buried himself with. And so that's, you don't want to be that athlete. You don't want to get to that point because if you do, it will require a much deeper, longer intervention. Because if you get to that point, we're talking about potentially a period of months and or for some years to dig out of those really deep holes that get to like fundamental overtraining syndrome. So that's, that's what we don't want. But as long as you intervene, as long as you make these adjustments and steps, then you'll, you'll be able to work through it and you'll be able to get back to building again. But again, if you're not seeing that, keep reevaluating, keep listening to how you feel, find answers. That's it. Those are my tips, my questions that I ask for getting out of a running funk. Hopefully that's not you, but if it is, then certainly go through the checklist. Or if you know somebody who's in that funk, please share this podcast with them. Hopefully it will help them out. Otherwise, everybody, I, I my, my thoughts are with you because I know this is a hard time to be a person, a human right now, much less a runner. We're we're hoping everybody's staying healthy and safe out there and being smart about our social distancing so that we can all work through this together. Thank you all for continuing to listen. It means a lot to me. If you're interested in our podcast training, all of that starts next week. Again, I'll include a link to the interest list in the show notes. Otherwise, you can always check us out at roguerunning.com. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Rogue Running. Or you can follow me on Instagram at Rogue Chris or on Twitter at Chris McClung. Until next time, we will talk to you soon.